This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 32, sitting here with Echo Charles. Echo Charles, we got a topic for today to kick things off a little bit, Mm -hmm. maybe a universal topic. True or false, and we might go deeper than just true or false, because I think this is true and false and false and true. Mm -hmm. Everyone should know what it feels like to be in a physical altercation and have their ass kicked. True or false? <laughs> Where you at? Well, I, I think I'm with you. There's no. It depends, and it depends on what you mean by ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 depends, and at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of benefit to having that happen, mm-hmm. and a lot of benefit to not having that happen. So. I am going to lean towards the benefits of having it happen. I would. And I think one of the reasons that I'm there is, as you've heard me say many times, the most important quality for a leader or a person. Because I got to add that. This isn't just about leadership. This is a person. Mm. Most important characteristic or quality for a leader or a person to have is humility. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, getting your ass kicked is a very humbling thing Mm -hmm. in most cases. I suppose in some cases where you're, let's say you're way smaller, way weaker, or in a really disadvantageous position and you get your ass kicked, that's sort of like doesn't really count as humbling Mm -hmm. in a way. In in many cases it doesn't count as humbling because you just didn't stand a chance and that's the way it is. As a matter of fact, if you're small, and you get your ass kicked by some big person, they can look like it can be worse for them mm-hmm. in many cases. That's what's nice about Jeff Glover going in tournaments mm-hmm. and he'd be all skinny and small and going against just monster dudes and yeah. just tapping them out. Yeah. Jeff Glovey. Yeah, and you can watch videos of that too, by the way, <laughs> yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, I was never the best person to introduce people to jujitsu because I'm yeah. too big, yeah. and they go, oh, "You're just big." Right. I remember actually, I was I was rolling with a friend of mine named TJ. This was in nineteen, maybe nineteen ninety eight, mm-hmm. something like that. So I'm like a blue belt, but he's one hundred and forty five pounds, right? And I had mats at my house. This is in Virginia Beach. I was like, "Yeah, come over." Yeah. You want to? And I would, try, I would try and get everyone to train with me. I'd like the mailman would come. I'd be like, "You ever done jujitsu before?" <laughs> I was just like that with everybody. And so, you know, I said, "Hey, you should really do jujitsu." You know, come on. So we go upstairs. I got the mats upstairs, and we roll. And I just and I'm, and I also am a blue belt, so it's not like right now. I would be super chill. Right. You know, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, see, this is what's gonna happen." But then I kind of had a little bit more. Aggression, you yeah. know, so I was just tapping him out tapping him out tapping him out. and he immediately and he's not a wrestler or anything He immediately started talking about weight classes like I mean obviously with your weight, you know <laughs> I was like, What are you talking about dude? I just got you in a Kimura by the way. I saw a comment on YouTube mm. about my pronunciation of Kimura what's the proper Kimura Kimura Kimura, Kimura. Ki- Okay, the, so what uh, am I messing up the you you say Kimura? Oh? Kimura. 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 Yeah. Kimura. Man, don't you like my way a little bit better? Uh, well, better? <laughs> no. I, I like that it's uniquely your way, so I say do what you did. I must have gotten it from Dean. I, or maybe I got it from Fabio. I almost guarantee you did not get it from Dean. What about Fabio? from Fabio? Negative. No. no. So Kimura. 
that sounds that's like harder to say. You Kimura. I, I don't think so. I think you added a, another lingui, linguistic element when you add the y y y Kimura. 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 <laughs> yeah. Only you and Leif Babin say it, and he got it from oh, you. Oh, he definitely got it from oh, me. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm spreading bad word know, across bro. the country. Wrong way. Uh, so humbling. It's very humbling. I'm not the best person to introduce it, but if you watch Jeff Glover, he's tapping out monster guys. That's got to be very humbling. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good thing in many cases to get your ass kicked. Mm. Um, I have, you know, I say this about kids, little kids a lot. I say jujitsu is really good for little kids, big kids, all kids. But what I say is it is likely to prevent them from becoming bullied mm-hmm. and it's likely to prevent them from being a bully mm-hmm. stops both because when you get your ass kicked you learn what that feels like and most people most people that aren't sociopaths go hey i don't want to make someone feel like that yeah right because you realize how humiliating it is because mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about this before too what's the line between humbling and humiliating yeah right I mean, we talked about that because Dean one day, I mean, many days, Dean's like humiliated me right. on the mats of justice. Yeah. Beyond humble. It's, humble's like, oh man, you know, that yeah. goes all over me today, dude. Yeah, that's man. Gotta train you know, more. Gotta yeah. train more. Humiliating's like, maybe I don't want to do this sport yeah. anymore. <laughs> I hope nobody saw that. I'm yeah. going to get a gun. <laughs> I'm going to shoot Dean Lister in the knee. Yeah. Let's see what you got now, homie. Yeah. So. Let's say this. Let's try. I mean, if I tried to answer this for real, I would say everyone should train. Everyone should train jujitsu. Everyone should occasionally put on the big gloves and do some kind of MMA type sparring. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you think your guard is good to go, and then someone starts dropping bombs on you. Yeah. And that's not cool. Yeah. And you realize, oh, jujitsu is not quite what I thought it was because this guy's punched me in the face. Yeah. Yeah, interestingly, when I first started, that was the whole gen- – well, I, when I started, I did it because I wanted to be an MMA fighter. So when we started training all no-gi, it was like MMA training was essentially ha- – actual MMA training was like half of the training. And then it wasn't until I found out there was like um, tournaments, mm-hmm. like jiu-jitsu tournaments. Like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, we can do just jiu-jitsu or whatever. And then it was, you know, my attention. But – it was my point is it was Were you so, thinking that you were gonna become an MMA fighter? Is yeah, that that's the whole reason I joined. Oh yeah. And I trained for like probably like probably like three years I was training all jujitsu and MMA. They was like comprehensive. That's before you met me. That was before we came here, yes. Before we came to uh, We trained uh, at City Victus. We trained at Boxing Club what? How many times? Like a small amount of times. I remember training with you at the boxing club one time. Okay. My first time. That's but but, but very quickly thereafter we moved here. Yeah. To Victory MMA. Yeah, Victory. that was like 2001, eight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2007, we were training yeah. here, but it wasn't open yet, but we had mats up and we were all training. Yeah, yeah. So I did, probably, I was training with like Googerty. Um, remember Tom Watson, Kong? I would like train with him. Mm-hmm. And he, I think I think he fought in the UFC, right? Mm-hmm. Tom? And then, um, yeah, like a, a lot of guys. Joel Tudor was there. It was, yeah, yeah it was like, there was a lot. Uh, Akbar. It was oh, like, I trained with him a lot. Akbar. Yeah, so he was like sock bar, sock bar. <laughs> but the point is, early like when we started, there was a lot of that that went on punches. Like you mm-hmm. know how to train with punches. Mm-hmm. I think Scott Catlin was in there too mm-hmm. a lot of time. So um, yeah, we knew. What like, was his what was his uh, fighting name? Who he, Scott Catlin? 
Uh, or Caitlyn. He had some good, I forget what his fighting name was. He had some nickname. Oh, I don't know. I forget. I forget. It, it was one that I said, that's pretty good. <laughs> Remember For, that fighter whose nickname was, damn. I can't think of this name. It was really long. It was like five different words. Wait, his nickname was? Yeah, the nickname was. <laughs> <laughs> the longest nickname I can, uh, I don't know. Uh, black guy. He was on art. art. No, he was UFC. Oh, he was UFC. like UFC. He didn't have that many fights either. He didn't. His nickname didn't really hold up <laughs> as well as you wanted it to. <laughs> right, you know? got it. No, Damn. I don't remember. Uh, but th- but as far as training with punches and knowing you know yeah. where hey your guard is not going to be as effective if you're going a little bit more full speed or more full contact or whatever um, that came through early development so I think it's like more na- like I take it for granted mm-hmm. I think a lot of times that nowadays where jujitsu is so much more expanded mm-hmm. and so some people can go through jujitsu all the way up to you know a high level without that training yeah. at all um, I could see how how. They might be vulnerable just from a habitual standpoint, right. you know. You have the base ingrained yeah. concepts in your brain. Yeah. So when we and oh Greg McIntyre trained with a lot of Greg, Greg McIntyre punched me the hardest I've ever been punched in the mm. straight square in the face too, by for the way. What? Uh what do you mean for like what, what what's going on? We're training. What position? Uh, I was in I he was in my guard. What what I, me okay, go ahead. And I separated and I went for double you know mm-hmm. you separate guard and then flip over and go for a double mm-hmm. and right when i flipped over he was like already Crack. based <laughs> and i remember he had white gloves on uh, and bro his like he hit me right between like you know right between the eyes like a cartoon like yeah. boom was that the thinking, end of your mma career <laughs> i was about to ask you what was the end of the mma career but then i was like oh he's about to tell me what the end of no, his MMA no, career no 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 it just sort of faded out like i mm-hmm. jump in like you know how you're actually training yep. for maybe you'll get a pancreation match or something mm-hmm. like this and then you don't and then you're kind of training just here and there and then you i remember the last mma thing that i remember was less training with dean to help him for a fight that's it sure. so it's like it becomes that you know I just remembered that guy's nickname, Shownuff the Master. <laughs> that? that was the dude's nickname. Show it was enough. like Fred Shownuff the Master Smith <laughs> or something. I thought that was a pretty epic nickname. Well, Shownuff the Master, that, that's from Bruce Leroy, right? What's that one? The Last, or the yeah. Last Dragon? Yeah. So yeah. It's from Fontaine. Yeah. The amount of rounds I have fighting MMA is a lot. Right, so you it's know, like cause, habitual, you know, because the all the sparring that yeah. we used to do back in the day. So back to this question, trying to bring it back. Um, I think everyone should do it. I, I guess, I guess, my answer is true. Yeah. Now, does this mean you should go out in the street and pick fights with big people that are going to kill you or beat you? You know, unconscious. No, that's why we love jujitsu. That's why we love MMA. Yeah. Because these things are humbling. You get these things without having to get in a legal situation, without having to get in a medical scenario, right? So instead of this question being, should everyone know what it feels like to be in a physical altercation to have their ass kicked, it just should be, should everyone train jujitsu MMA? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And I think we can settle it down like that. I think I just kind of solved our problem. Yeah, in a way. And again, that's why I was like, it depends. And then, so the word should, right? Should, it's like, if you don't, you're kind of like not doing the right thing almost kind of thing. You should do this mm-hmm. versus shouldn't do this. Maybe, yeah, if you change that more accurately, put it this way. Is there immense value in getting your ass kicked? The answer is yes. I would say yes. Pretty much across the board as long as you're not, you know, whatever. Right, right, right. But there's a difference between, ah, 
you know, I went on the mat with Dean. He tapped. I, I, I don't train jujitsu. I show up. This is the reality. I show up to train jujitsu, or Jeff Higgs shows up at my house. I have a little tiny bit of training, and he's been training for the last three years hard. He just got his purple belt, mm-hmm. and he comes up and kicks my ass with jujitsu. Mm-hmm. He didn't hurt me. Right. He didn't send me to the hospital, yeah. but he kicked my ass for sure. Yeah. I guess there's a line, right? Yeah. Guess, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Because yeah. kicking someone's ass could be this person's in the hospital, yeah. and it could be oh, I tapped this guy out nine times, yeah. which is what Higgs did to me, or nine or 17 or something. Yeah, jiu-jitsu's a little bit different in training, um, even in a competition jiu-jitsu, because it's like there's rules and there's a clear, mm-hmm. like it's 100% up to you when the fight can just stop. Yep. You can just tap out and be like, hey. And it's not really a real fight. Like you guys are actually, I want to hurt this guy. Mm-hmm. I want to try to like beat this guy up, you know, where... If you get in a fight somewhere outside of training or whatever with somebody, especially somebody you don't know, or even if you know him, whatever, yeah, he's like kind of trying to hurt you, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's a different experience. It's a whole different thing, really, because jujitsu kind of bleeds more into the, you just lost in the competition. Mm-hmm. Even in training, the element of competition that's in training, you just lost that competition, you know. It's there. It's I don't think that's what he's talking about at all. I think they're two different things as far as experience goes. Like, if you experience getting your ass kicked in jiu-jitsu training in tournaments or whatever, that's not, not the same. Not the same at all as far mm-hmm. as what I think, anyway, what I think he said. Yeah. Have you ever kicked. gotten your ass kicked in a street fight? Yes, sir. Uh, well, here's the thing. Depends on what you mean by ass okay. kicked. Where I lost. I, I've been in a street fight as a kid. Teen. I didn't lose that one, but... The the one where I lost the fight, like, dang, I got beat up, mm-hmm. and I'm the one who kind of eaten it. I didn't start the fight, but I initiated the physical part of it. Right. I got beat, um, but I didn't get, like, hurt or nothing, and he get knocked did that, out. Well, did that impact your, yes. p- your personality, your mentality a little bit? I got yeah. my ass kicked. I think it was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, fifth grade, how old are you in fifth grade? Ten. Ten-ish. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Maybe it was sixth grade. Yeah. Maybe it was sixth grade, but I think it was fifth grade. Anyways, I was talking shit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was a shit talker, as you know. Yes, sir. Which, I do. as you also know, and I was explaining to you earlier, I can't do that anymore. Like, I don't. Right. It's not the right thing to do, right? <laughs> it's not the right thing to do to ridicule people and make fun of them. In the SEAL teams, it's the only thing to do. That's, yeah, what, yeah, that's what it is all day long, every day. But even in the SEAL teams, once I became an officer, once I was. You know, when you're in a platoon commander, you can't just verbally hammer someone because you have too much power and authority because you're the platoon commander as a task you can. You can't do that stuff anymore. You can't. Yeah. I'm not saying I never did because sometimes I would be out of line. Sure. But if you compare to that, when I was an E5 mafia guy in a SEAL platoon, bro, mm. I mean, the whole, it was, it's just ruthless savagery all the time, 24 7. And especially because then when you're an E5 in a SEAL platoon, you're kind of the, you're the opposite power. It's the it's a power inversion, so yeah. all power is kind of gained through that situation. You know, the only power you have is what you can uh, muster up with your mouth, yeah, right? Fully. Talking shit to people. Mm-hmm. So I was a little kid, and I was talking shit, and uh, you know, classic street fight. I got put in a headlock and punched in the face, mm-hmm. like put in a headlock, taken down, kind of like with a uh, naturally instinctive hip throw yeah yeah and i just was on the bottom getting punched in the face and it only lasted probably 15 seconds before the principal or the yard monitor or whatever was who's, over there. who's the guy you remember the guy i do remember the guy yeah his name was mike freaking mike 
Yeah, his name was Mike. He had a jean jacket. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, he jean had jacket, a jean jacket. Yeah. And he, the reason I was asking him how old you are in fifth grade, because he was definitely held back a year. Mm-hmm. So he was definitely right. a year older than me, yeah. but also seemed like one of those guys that, you know, had facial hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was strong. Yeah, and we, yeah. we ended up becoming friends. I mean, friends later, yeah, you know, that's of course. But, yeah, he had to kick my ass. And but but I was also small, like a small, scrawny little kid, so it wasn't that big of a deal for him. Yeah. He was like, "Oh, you're gonna say that to me?" Yeah. <laughs> okay, gets broken up. Mm. Uh, but I remember thinking to myself, "Yeah, you better, you know." Yeah, that was like this question. I kind of benefited from getting my ass kicked. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't run your mouth so much, son. Yeah, that makes. Sense. Or maybe you should learn how to back it up. Yeah, that yeah. that seems. <laughs> Like another benefit. Yeah, they, I, I remember same deal, same age. Uh, it's, it was sixth grade straight up. This guy, no, it's fifth grade. This time was fifth grade. This guy, straight Jeremy Smith is his name. Mm-hmm. Not the Jeremy that I know now, Jeremy Smith's guy. I remember, I think he was from like Virginia. Mm-hmm. Guy from the mainland. This was in Hawaii, obviously. And he, he kept, here's the thing, it was different. It wasn't me talking trash. I was like a nice person, like mm-hmm. kid or whatever. Yeah, but and he, he'd all, yeah, very much so. <laughs> but he'd always like push me around and be like, hey, let's get in a fight. Like he thought it was like exciting Damn. or whatever. And I'd be like, no, 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 just constantly, every day. Like that was the thing you got to deal with with mm-hmm. this guy. So it, was, it almost seemed like half joking, but maybe like a quarter joking and three quarters like he really wants to get in a fight for whatever reason. I don't know. And then he kept and he kept doing it and kept pushing me, kept pushing him. And then one time he kept like, I don't know, like pushing me. I think he pushed my head. You know, that kind where mm-hmm. it's like a little bit cross the line of like messing Extra. around. Yeah. And I think I felt, you know how you feel it when you're a little kid, you feel it welling up inside you. Like you're just going to freaking lose <laughs> control, start crying or whatever. Some uh, sh- Christmas story style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to just go ham. Oh, yeah. So I did and I didn't just amp out on him. I just like swung and like it was more of a smack on his head, like a square one, too. And I remember he had this super straight, you know, kind of kids with super straight hair. Yep. I was one of them. Yeah, yeah, like you, basically. <laughs> and he had this super straight hair, not long, but like yeah. super straight. So when I smacked him, I remember his hair went psh, like yeah. flicked, you know, like uh, what's that? What's that video then he had no he, choice to but, but to retaliate. Oh, it was on. 100%. Oh, yeah. He got what he wanted kind of thing. Like, oh, he's fine. And I looked at him and he was all surprised. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. And then, oh, here he came. came and I was like, oh, man. And he was stronger than me at the time. No, we we're like even, I think. But he was just so down to fight, yeah. you know. And I like wasn't at that point. I was like, oh my god. And same deal, headlock, boom, boom. He was like punching me and stuff. I was getting beat down. That's the thing that people don't realize too. When you when you train all the time, fighting is just nothing. You know, there's no adrenaline. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you want to fight? Cool. Right. I'm Super so familiar. down to fight. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Oh, you're gonna grab hold of me? Cool. Watch this. You're getting hip tossed and thrown on the pavement. Yeah, man, that was, that's the so. And you ever think back, like, what if I knew jujitsu as a kid? Mm-hmm. I would probably beat up every single person that would like make trouble. It'd be like a little superhero yeah. going around beating up people because <laughs> they couldn't do anything. Like someone who knew jujitsu as a kid yeah. and someone didn't. Oh yeah, <laughs> no way, man. I've I saw that play out a few times with my my own children. Yeah, you know? like that makes sense. People get people picking on them or picking on other kids and having one of my kids step in for the big win. <laughs> and it's pretty legit to watch oh, the yeah. power of jujitsu. It's yeah. very good. I remember at um, when I started jujitsu, I was going for a while, and I was still a bouncer. And being a bouncer can be nerve wracking. 
especially on busy nights when you see hostile group. Not they, or they seem like they could get hostile. Mm-hmm. You see groups of people. You're like, oh man, you know, if you're not in the mood, you're like, man, I don't want to deal with this tonight, kind of a thing. So you're always on edge, you mm-hmm. know. And I remember when I did when I was into jujitsu or whatever, that edge was pretty much gone. Go like, of course, you're like, okay, maybe. Were you excited about it a little bit? Uh, at first, opportunities. yes. At first, yes. Yeah. And especially when you when you go in, you're right. Like, I wouldn't be like very like nervous or excited even during the altercation Mm -hmm. because like you know it's so familiar like what they do is like so predictable and you feel a person like they can't like they're wiggling but they have no base you know it's like well jujitsu is a way of knowing the future too like you know what someone's going to do yeah just by the way they just shifted their weight you're like oh okay so who's going to do and then you just counter it and you're there waiting with the with the big win yeah fully and being a bouncer actually you have more of an advantage because you're sober. It's, it's yeah. You're sober, and it's up to you the impression you want to make on the person. Like if you impress on them that you want you're there to fight them, then okay, you might have a little bit more to worry about. That's when this all the street fight stuff mm. comes in. The glass bottles everywhere, mm. and glasses, and friends, and mm-hmm. you know mit, potential weapons, that kind of stuff, or whatever. But if you're there to break something up, bro, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. But you're not. You're, all you got to do is run in there and say, break it up, break it up, break break it up. Real loud, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want. Drag well, what I always used to out. say, you know, is when you're in a bouncing situation, you got to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was yours. Okay. All right. <laughs> you got be nice you. until it's time until to it's not time be time nice. Not be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. All right. Let's get into some Q&A, man. What do we got? So wait, what's the conclusion? Yes. The conclusion is train jujitsu. That's, I mean, I hate to say it yeah. and everyone's going to laugh at me for saying that. The conclusion mm-hmm. is train jujitsu because you kind of get your ass kicked, yeah. but you don't have to go to the hospital. You don't have to get legally arrested. You don't have to send anyone else to the hospital. Right. Uh, it's just the best way to do it. So, cause, so, cause you kind of get a proxy, a little you bit of a proxy, proxy of getting your close, ass kicked. Real close. And very comfortable. And if you didn't get the proxy, because you know what happens the first time you roll or the first three times you roll, you, you think to yourself, yeah, but if I was in a real fight, I would have bit his ear, I would have gouged his eye. Go try that. Mm-hmm. You're still going to get your ass kicked in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. So, yes, my answer is true via jiu-jitsu. Here's what you did too, which actually it's dumb in the moment, but it's smart in the strategic. Mm-hmm. Like it's really good experience. You would get into fights with your friends and stuff. Oh yeah. So that um, and I did that too. When we'd go to Tim's house, Tim Ford, mm-hmm. like we'd go to his house, like on you know Andre, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I'd get in fights with him and stuff, like physical grown adults, by the yeah, way, yeah. which is again not recommended at all. But we we're friends enough where mm-hmm. we we're there to kind. It was like a friendly actual fight, right? But it was friendly, you right. know. Um, but getting that experience too, where it's like, this isn't like, okay, the clock is set. We're going to do rounds. It's not that it's a spontaneous fight mm-hmm. breaks out, yep. you know, at a party. Yep. And there's other elements, yep. right? There's exactly. a t- coffee table over there. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. freaking slippery floor over here. Yeah. There's girls over there. You, you know what I mean? There's yeah. things you got to contend with and deal with. So oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So it's good experience. It's mm. more close to the actual yeah. real, real deal, but outside of just like, okay, we're here to train this sport kind yeah. of a thing, you know? Yeah, well, in a platoon, it would a lot of times would just escalate real quick, yeah. like, you know? Yeah. Like, real, like, you're talking shit one minute, the next minute, it's throwdown time. Yeah. Yeah, so you even got even more of the flavor, mm. you know? Of the or in a van. Van fighting is sort of a <laughs> sport in the SEAL teams. Yeah, makes sense. Van fight, van brawl. Yeah. Hey, everyone's in there. It's a three-hour drive to whatever place you're going to. Who, what, what music are we listening to? 
I don't yeah, know. I guess we're, we're going to find out. Find out. <laughs> Which fast food restaurant are we stopping at? I don't know, but we're going to find out. Yeah. Who's going to sit in the back seat? I don't know, but we're going to find out. Yeah. Then there's only one way to find out. Yeah. I think we know what it is. There you go. Scrap. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. What do we got? Questions. All right. First question. Hello. As a smaller female, I've heard you say before that owning and being able to use a gun can be an important piece of self-defense. I wonder what your thoughts are on using a 22 rifle as a home defense weapon. I'm not really interested in owning lots of guns, and I like this one because the ammo is cheap, it's fun to shoot, and I feel comfortable firing it. Some say it's inadequate for some for home defense. What's your thoughts? Thanks. So that this is a cool question, um, and my immediate response is like, oh, you can't get a 22 for you know home defense that doesn't have to stop you. I went right, right down this freaking huge sort of tactical assessment, right? Just automatically at the top but, of your But account. I very quickly then thought to myself, okay, well, let's think through this from a more strategic, a little higher level perspective. Here's the deal. If you have this weapon and you train with this weapon and you're comfortable with this weapon and you like this weapon, those are a lot of positives. Yeah. Those are a lot of positives to try and overcome. So my my immediate answer might be no, but my my answer is yes. I like where you're at. You're you you have a weapon. You like this weapon. You use this weapon a lot. You can shoot it a lot because the ammo is cheap. Those are all really beneficial, and you're very comfortable with it. So I'm going to go ahead and start off just by saying, hey, you got a 22 rifle in your house, and you want to use that for your self defense weapon. Cool. Let's do it. Let's start there, right? Now, as I said, does it have the best stopping power? No, it doesn't. Um, might you have to then fire multiple well-placed rounds at a intruder in order to stop them? Yes, you might. I mean, a twenty-two is really, really small. So you might have to do that. Should you get ammunition that is some kind of expanding ammunition that's going to cause more damage than a regular full metal jacket yes you should you should get some crazy the craziest freaking 22 caliber ammo that you can get for for your when you get done at the range you load up this good stuff the hot stuff should you begin training with a higher powered weapon and start to get yes you should and and then 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 we could get into the debate of what do you want for the house? Do you want a shotgun? Do you want a handgun? Do you want a rifle? And there's a pros and cons to all these different things. There's some there's some advantages to a shotgun. Everyone talks about the sound that a shotgun makes when you jack the slide. If you're a home intruder and you hear someone jack the slide on a Remington 870, you're running away. You're not sticking around to find out the next noise, which is bang. Right, so that I mean that's might sound lame, but it's true. Um, shotgun, you don't have to aim very well, um, so there's some advantages to that. But it's big, you know. Handgun smaller, more maneuverable in a house. Um, shotgun, you can set it up so you don't have a bunch of penetration power. So you're not shooting through your walls and hitting your family. Handgun has probably going to penetrate more. Rifle, you're penetrating through all kinds. Now you got to really worry about what room your kids are in, where you're shooting at this person from. Uh, you know, I started thinking about a submachine gun. So when I got, when I, well, when I got in the SEAL teams, the MP5, which is a 
Heckler and Koch MP5, we used to use that all the time for close quarters combat. It's a nine millimeter, it's basically a, it's a submachine gun. It's, a, it's shooting a pistol round, it's shooting a nine millimeter round. So it doesn't have a huge amount of penetration, but I'll tell you what, there is, I think that might be the easiest weapon in the world to shoot and be good at. So if you have the, if you don't have much training and you had a Heckler and Koch MP5 and it's gonna be in the house, cause you can shoot no problem 50 yards with that MP5. Hmm. And at 10 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards, you're gonna be nailing. Like you are gonna be putting groups inside of a quarter. They're so easy to shoot. Hmm. So, you know, maybe you look at a submachine gun option because now you have less penetration and it's also super accurate because what's hard about a pistol? What's hard about a pistol is they're harder to shoot. Mm-hmm. That's why people like long guns for even for home defense. Mm-hmm. If you don't shoot a lot and all of a sudden you're in a nighttime scenario, someone's breaking your house, you're nervous, the freaking alarm's going off, lights are flashing, you don't know what's going on and you've got to then pull out your pistol and make an accurate shot down the hallway mm-hmm. at 12 yards, you might not hit that person. With a rifle or a long gun, your chances are going to go up. With an MP5, I'm going to say you're probably going <laughs> to swack them. So, advantages and disadvantages to all these different and 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 look, I, this is sort of one of those things too. I guess it's not. There's just advantages and disadvantages to everything. I was going to say you know some people are totally, but even if you took somebody that was totally pro shotgun, we could come up with some reasons not to use a shotgun. Even if you had somebody that's like, no, you should definitely have a rifle, you can find some disadvantage to the rifle. Handgun, same thing. Advantages and disadvantages to all these things. Um, I would get something with a light mounted on it. You know what I mean? So now you can kind of, if they if someone cuts the power to your house or the power's out and things are getting crazy, you, can, you have a light that's immediately accessible. Uh, so I would look at something you can mount a light onto for your home de- defense weapon and then train a lot and you know be safe because firearms kill people and there's been people that have shot themselves with their guns there's people that have shot their family members you know the son was sneaking back in the house at two o'clock in the morning after he snuck out and he's getting shot Mm. right so you got to really be have a good mind and you got to think through these scenarios you got to think about how you're going to handle things and you got to think about putting yourself in a situation where you can avoid these types of mishaps, yeah. right? Um, you know, for instance, having a relationship with your kids where they're not trying to sneak back into the house. Right. I was I was in Virginia Beach and I was one of my friends. We were at jujitsu. One of my seal friends. We were at jujitsu, and he broke his arm. He got put in a bicep slicer, and it snapped his radial and his ulna, both of them. Crack. But then he went to the hospital and he was coming by my house. And I, I think he was just coming by my house, but it was two o'clock in the morning just to mm. check in and tell me he was okay after he got out of the hospital. So he's banging on the front door of my house in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, oh, Roger, <laughs> someone's about to get shot. Mm-hmm. So I just walk out and I had my pistol in my hand and he saw, uh, he saw me and he was like, it's dead. He's telling me his name. He's like, it's <laughs> and I go, all right, cool, man. Decock, reholster. What's up, bro? He's like, I just wanted to tell you my arms. You know, I got a cast. I was like, all right, dude, all good. So, Jeez. make sure you think about all that stuff. Um, but I think where you're at, let's start with that twenty-two. Let's set it up in a good way. Let's get a light mounted on it. Let's get some good rounds for it, and then let's start briefing 
the family about what's going on, make sure everyone's read in, make sure we know what the protocols are, and I think we're in a good way. We're on a good tra- on a good path. You said something about the shotgun that I think might p- people might not be down for when you said, uh, and obviously this is going to. Oh yeah, you should already have one in the chamber. Yeah, well, oh, they say that too. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. but a lot of some advocates will like passionately say that this racking of the slide is not a deterrent. They'll be like, that's not a deterrent mm. at all. But then some people say, oh yeah, it's a deterrent. I mean, it seems like if I was an intruder, like <laughs> who says it's not a deterrent? Everybody on like with gun training I've scenarios. Never, I've never heard anyone say that, but I don't, I don't know. Oh, I hardcore hear that online, mm. online. Keep that in mind where, yeah. so it's not like I'm rolling around. I'm just trying to, the I'm country. Tr- okay. <laughs> I've never heard that. Maybe I'm, I'm, I also might be blocking it out because if I was breaking into a house to do something nefarious, to steal stuff or bother people, and I heard somebody jack a shotgun, yeah. I'm getting yeah. the fuck out of there. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And that and here, I was. It was Brian Sargent, right? So uh-huh. my, my my first real like training experience yeah. with guns was with Brian Sargent, uh-huh. and and he said something really good. I think where. There's no just one scenario. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like, hey, you're the good guy and the intruder's the bad guy yep. and you, you you might have to shoot. It's not that. Like, there's so many different scenarios. Yep. And you can tell so many different things by just a little bit of stimulus, a little bit of input. So it's like, do you hear them downstairs? Are they rushing in like that? Because that could be like someone trying to kill you, like, for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. Or it could be the police, by the way. Mm-hmm. So it's like you got to assess all these things. Or is someone creeping around in there? Yep. That's a way different situation as well. So, and so, okay, so that makes sense where it's like, oh, yeah, the, the racking of the slide. If you fe- hear someone creeping around trying mm-hmm. to look for maybe some, I don't know, whatever they're trying to steal or just snooping around mm-hmm. in whatever reason or maybe some drunk person and then they hear a slide, okay, there's this reason that's reasonable uh, to, we'll say, understand yep. that they're going to not really like that sound. They're going to be like, oh, a bit off more than I can chew by coming into this house and they're going to leave. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then you get like someone who's like on drugs or something like that who either doesn't hear it or they have a gun and they're like, hey, I'm down to fight. I'm here to get what I'm here to get. Yep. And whoever wants to confront me is going to get a gunfight or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, then, yeah, then that's different, too. Yep. You know, and by the way, you don't have to jack the slide then. I mean, you got one in the chamber. You can jack the slide whether you want. You know, you can you can have one in the chamber and be like. Hey, you know what? This dude's not getting any warning. They're just going to catch some freaking. Yeah. They're just going to catch a slug yeah. to the back of the head. All good. Yes. Sir. <laughs> well, but if they're if they're creeping around, because like you said, what if somebody's car broke down and they're just trying to get in there and use the phone and they didn't think anyone was home? Right. I yeah. mean, they're like oh, whatever yeah. scenario. There's a lot of scenarios. A lot of scenarios. Yeah. A lot of scenarios. So jacking the slide is an option. And again, this is like one thing, right? You could yeah. have a pistol. You could have a rifle. You could have a submachine gun. I've, I've, I've seen all kinds of negative things about submachine guns because submachine guns, the reason we stopped using them in the SEAL teams is because the range sucks and you might use it, it might be great to use while you're in a building, yeah. but as soon as that firefight breaks out in the streets and you have an MP5, you might as well have one of the Echo Charles slingshots from Hawaii <laughs> at that point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, sir. So we don't want to have that. So we started using you know, actual rifles. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, I mean, yeah. And I, and I was just, that was more of a side note that yeah. some people, cause you know, how you get the two camps, right. In every little scenario, every little element yeah. of uh, gun culture or what, you know, whatever the culture is, they'll be like, no, you have a person who advocates for this. And yeah. you have a person who advocates for this other one. And, you know? and that's why I think I try to approach the question with an open mind. Yeah. 
of like, look, you've got someone that's really, that's comfortable using a specific weapon. Bro, you, now you want them to change that weapon? How many rounds do you have to shoot? Especially if that's the primary weapon that you use all the time, it's the one that you learned on, and now we want you to use a different weapon system with a different safety and a different way of reloading yeah. and a different sight picture. That's a big deal. You just don't unlearn all those habits, especially when it's the first weapon that you became really familiar with. So I'm sure you're right. There's people going to be like, what kind of advice is Jocko giving? This is freaking he's a, He's going to get her killed. It's like, bro, listen to what I said. If you're comfortable with that right now, great. Does that mean that's the end all? No. What you should do is start figuring out another weapon system that is actually going to be your primary home defense weapon. And there's a bunch of, because what's your, what's, your, what's your house made of? Is it drywall? Is it concrete? Do you have kids running around in there? Do you have two store? Think of all these things. Like you said, there's a bunch of different scenarios that can happen. What about neighbors? How far away are the neighbors? Because when you start shooting a rifle in your house and you're in 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 a suburban area where you got neighbors that are 30 yards away, I mean, you go to some parts of San Diego, the houses are separated by one meter. They're literally one meter apart. So that means I could be in my house, shoot an intruder, miss, and shoot you or shoot your kid. So now like, oh, now I want to be using a rifle? Wait a second. So there's a lot of things to think about. Is the 22 for this particular woman who's small, who uses this weapon all the time, is it a good weapon choice for her right now? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Should she get a light mounted on it? Yes, she should. Should she get some rounds that are going to do a little bit more damage than your standard full metal jacket round? Yes, she should. Mm. Should she start to explore maybe getting some other type of weapon as well? I mean, if she's a small female, is she going to really be comfortable shooting a big heavy handgun that's got stopping power? You're going to put a 45 in her hand? No. She should be using some kind of a shouldered weapon. So, check. So, here, let me... You just want to you want to talk to L, tactical echo just showed up. I get it. <laughs> All right, so I get it. Let me let me hear you talk on this. Echoes uh, in the yeah, house. That's on okay, so okay, so you know how like um they say dry firing, right? Is this yeah. like pretty good training for very for, good training yeah. unless you're using a bow and arrow, then it destroys. Yeah, it's bad. Yep. Yeah, crossbow as well, from what I understand. So the uh okay, so I have a gun at home called the Bug Assault gun. Mm-hmm. You know I that have is? one of those too. Oh, okay, Which they're freaking you? awesome. Oh, freaking! Yeah. I don't Do you have, have a... the outdoor one though. I just have the indoor. Matter of fact, I gotta order that. I'm going to order that immediately. What the three The one, the new one that's green. Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah, I, yeah. I got. I got yeah. two of the yellow ones and then one green one. After talk with Dean Lister and mm-hmm. Doctor Luke, mm-hmm. upgraded. Anyway, when you handle that gun, okay, it's made out of plastic. Is what, but like the like the engineering of mm-hmm. it is similar to like an actual real gun. Okay. A firearm. Yes, so when you when you trigger. handle it, yep. yeah, no, but you know the light. It's not a, a wooden rubber band gun. Right. You see what I'm saying? So if you want to go like what do you call it? Target acquisition, mm-hmm. like do that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. if you, if you made it a point to practice, it's essentially a dry fire, but not dry fire with the bug assault. Of course, no recoil. Okay. Of course, okay. but. If you want to, like, you see a fly or whatever, mm-hmm. or you got a bunch of flies at your house, Freaking tactical echoes go in the, the side, go in the side of the uh, the house where the trash is or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And just do some target practice, right? Mm-hmm. Practice little stuff. It. When I go back to my real guns, mm-hmm. I feel like, oh shit! I like, I feel like I got some training from the bug assault. Okay. That's what I feel. Okay. Do you think that that's a, a thing? I can say this from archery, uh, yeah. which I shoot all. The, I shoot more archery now than I do guns. Yeah. 
and because you're holding a sight picture because you're trying to you're focused on front sight focused you're relaxed with your trigger you're squeezing and letting it surprise you those those things absolutely translate to a firearm yeah. so bug assault i'll check approved. it out approved yeah. <laughs> yeah it it changes the experience of, of hunting and killing flies by the way and it's the most efficient effective way how's that 3.0 good uh it's i i, I Hype, thought because it's supposed to be for outdoor technically right? yeah dean hyped it a little bit we'll put it this way dean's explanation landed on me a little harder mm-hmm. than the actual gun right, right. did but it's significantly stronger yes yeah it can it's basically you go what's your you know, range uh here like me to you if that what, like, like three feet yeah three feet is like Solid, I think. You I'd can say. kill a fly oh, at yeah. three feet. Fly? Oh, yeah, fly. So, Because the old, wait, what, what range would you say you could get the old one with? Same, it's just weaker. So you wouldn't really hmm. kill it. Yeah. It couldn't kill, the, the, the original one can't kill a bee. I've so, killed bees with the original one. But that's at a close range. Yeah, like, yeah, if you're right up on it or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, like blasting it. Mm-hmm. No, this is the kind like a bee like in the air. You hit him, boom, he comes out of the air. No kidding. Oh yeah, that's how good. I am. Okay. Either way, it the bee will he won't get killed on the first shot, but you shoot him again, he he can die. Yep. Depend. You know, Double depends tap. on how you hit him. <laughs> yeah. You know, in my case for sure. For but sure. man, we uh, me and my kid, I used to shoot. We used to get in fights with those things. Oh yeah. So I thought when Dean was explaining, he was like. Hey, if you shoot yourself, like it'll sting you. Like you don't want to get shot with it. Like it'll really mm-hmm. sting you. So I'm like, oh yeah, because I was kind of nervous with the original one because all the warning signs yeah, on it. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. oh, this thing must be. So I'm killing bugs or whatever, and I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and violate some rules right now. So I shot my foot, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's not. I thought that too. So I shot my son. <laughs> <laughs> that's messed up. <laughs> but it wasn't that hard, bro. Like, him the first and his buddies used to hard. get because I had two of those two two assault guns. One of them broken now, but oh, I had two of them. Yeah. I would come home and the whole house would just be covered yeah, in salt. salt everywhere. That's a, yeah, <laughs> kids that's would just shoot the living yeah. shit out of each other. <laughs> Dead flies in the corners and stuff. Oh yeah, All but right. that, the new one though, you shoot your foot. There's a sting, but it, it's not. It's not in the realm of pain. Okay. It's like you kind of can imagine. Oh yeah, a, a fly gets caught with that. And you're like, okay, I, mm-hmm. I understand the damage for sure, but it doesn't. It's not. It could be stronger All for right. sure. Next question, bro. We're going deep today. This is rough. All right. I'm saying it's it can be good training. It's mm-hmm. kind of like dry fire training a little bit. A little bit. And it's fun. Either way, next question. Any thoughts on how to be more emotionally stable when you are single and therefore meeting people, getting hurt in the game, the dating game, I'm assuming, uh, in the emotional roller coaster of being single? Do you think you're more emotionally stable because you're married? What would you recommend in terms of emotional stability for single people around 30? Is it is it different for men and women? Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Last part of the question. Thank you, Echo Charles. Actually, it says thank you and Echo Charles oh, for all the rich you content. You were excited there. You didn't see that and, did you? No, I didn't. Well, you've been providing all <laughs> kinds of rich content today. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Freaking I'm, I'm trying to help. Talking I'm about to help. Ta- target acquisition I with am a flying on, which is help. cool. Hey, uh, okay, so what are we going to do here? Emotional roller coaster, getting hurt. Um, first of all, dude, go slow. And I'm assuming this is a dude, maybe a female. But go slow, man. Don't be getting crazy. This is a mistake that people make when they get, when they're young and they start getting in relationships. They go level twelve commitment, love, all that stuff out of the gate. Don't do that. Go slow. Don't overcommit. Don't don't get your expectations 
too high yeah which is which is what we have to watch out for because we meet you know Jessica (laughs) and she's good-looking and she's nice to Mm. you and so you take that trajectory of the first two data points that are both pointing up and you just turn that into freaking an angel yeah you know what I'm saying with a future with a future with kids like the whole nine yards you have two data points yeah one she's cute two She's nice to you at that moment. <laughs> at that moment. If you take yeah. those two data points yeah. and run freaking buck wild. Yeah. For a female, you take a dude. He's a handsome dude and he's nice to you. There's two data points. Mm-hmm. And you're going thinking that this is it. This is the, this is the one. Yeah. Do not do that. Yeah. Gather more data. That's what we need to do. And in order to gather more data, that doesn't mean you... Um, you don't have to overexpose yourself to, to gather more data, right? You can you observe, yeah. right? If you're looking, if if you're walking up to a, a um a cave and you thought there was a lion in there, mm-hmm. right? Are you gonna and you want to gather some data? Like you see some, let's see, you see some lion scat outside, right? Sure, hell yeah. Let's see, you see some lion prints outside. You got two data points. Yeah. Could there's there's seems like there's a lion in there. Yeah. Do you go running into the cave looking for the lion? Mm. No, you don't. So let's not do that here. Let's stay outside the cave. Let's yeah. see if anyone walks out of the cave. When it walks out, well, maybe we hear noise in the cave. Mm-hmm. We gonna run in there and confirm? No. Mm-hmm. So gather more data points. Gather more data points without running into the cave is my recommendation. Here's another thing, and this is kind of along the same lines. People aren't who you want them to be. They are who they are, and you can't confuse those things, and you can't think that you're gonna take someone who is the way they are and change them into who you want them to be. Mm. Can you have some influence over someone? Yes, over a long period of time, years, you can have a positive influence over some people, maybe. Mm-hmm. That you you see the double there? Some people, maybe. Yeah. So there's not a high percentage that you're going to take someone that that talks to you in a demeaning way. Yeah. And you're going to turn them into someone that's nice to you. Yeah. Or has a temper. Or, or someone like that this. has a temper, and you're going to yeah. get them to calm down. Yeah. Or someone that you know doesn't take care of themselves and you're gonna get them to take care of themselves. Or someone that doesn't show up to their job and you're gonna get them to, like all those things are fantasies that you are believing in and you shouldn't. Mm. So I imagine what's happening here, homie is running into the cave every time he gets two data points and he's getting cut up by the lioness. It's very possible. So be careful of that. Now, how do we not get hurt? I'll tell you how you don't get hurt. When you stay outside collecting data points, you don't overcommit. When the lion comes out or the lioness comes out with its mouth dripping with blood and you see it from 200 yards away through your binoculars, you go, oh, cool, good to see that. Now I didn't lose my larynx <laughs> to this animal. You, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Now I didn't get my head slashed apart. Yeah. So when you see, when you get to see someone, when you get more data and you realize that someone isn't who you thought they were, you go, oh, cool. I'm glad I didn't invest a bunch of time, money, commitment, effort into this relationship when all that would have happened is I would have gotten my heart ripped out and eaten. Yeah. yeah. And when it doesn't work, wish them luck. 
walk away, don't look back. Don't be a jerk about it. Mm-hmm. But say, hey, Jessica, it was awesome to know you. I really appreciate it. I look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll see you out sometime. Mm-hmm. Then walk away and don't look back. What we do is we look back. What we do is not we just look back, we start walking back, we crawl back, we see if they're looking, we try and get their attention. It's a freaking disaster. Walk away, don't look back. Yeah. Sounds like a song you might be writing, but you ever, well, here's the thing. Uh, this very well could be a woman, by the way, a female. Yes, and I, I'm i kind of talking from the male perspective yeah. because I'm a male. Yeah, yeah. And as I was wondering, like, well, you know, what's different for, it's not, it's actually not. I don't think it's yeah. any different. Yeah. I think it's the same. A woman should do the same thing. Don't go running into the lion cave. Get more data points. Mm. See what someone's like. Allow. Look, if the relationship is worth it, you don't need to rush it. Yeah. That's a good note to self. Oh, yeah. If a relationship is worth it and it's meant to be, and I hate to say that because it sounds super cheesy, like- but if it's meant to be, mm. it you'll be good. And if you have to work super hard for it, it's probably going to be a problem in the future. Yeah. It shouldn't be. Look, don't get me wrong. Being in a relationship with another human being that's equally as crazy as you are and you got you both got issues and personalities and egos and you're trying to sort your two lives together to be one life. Like yeah. that's a lot of there's work, work. there. Yeah, yeah. But it shouldn't be the kind of work that's just overwhelmingly frustrating that you don't understand why it's not, you know, it yeah. shouldn't be like that. It should be like, "Oh, you know what? I got to make some adjustments." Yeah. Uh, you know what? This probably isn't going to go quite like I thought, but here is something that might work. Yeah. So whether this is a man or a woman asking this question and whether there's different for men and women, I don't think it's, I really don't think it's different. Yeah. I think it's the same. Gather data. Don't go running into the lion or lioness cave. Mm-hmm. And if things aren't going the way you want them to go, maybe look for more data, but don't look for data in the cave. Yeah. You're going to get your, you can get freaking clawed apart. You can get your jugular bit. That's why it seems like anyway, there's a lot of benefit to like, I don't, I don't know the stats or the, what do you call the demographics, whatever. Um, you know how, like if you're friends with someone for mm-hmm. a long time, like mm-hmm. my wife, we were friends and we knew each other mm-hmm. for like years before we got together. Yeah. Um, so I kind of knew all those data points to yep. begin with, you know, through a very like, what do you call from a detached perspective right. where it didn't really matter. So if there was some revelations, good or bad, it was like, it wasn't really a factor to me. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to deal with the, this, this part of the emotional roller coaster, which is part of the game, by the way. Like I, I think it's going to be determined by how well you can control your emotions for mm-hmm. sure. Well, that's a good point that I didn't mention. I mean, this whole thing that I'm talking about is, I was, I was metaphorically talking about controlling your emotions. Cause let's face it. Why do you run into the cave? Yeah, you're all excited about you're all that excited one. about yeah, what's in there. Yeah, yeah. you run it in there. Let's <laughs> see what's in there. Yeah, yeah. This is the one. Oh, yeah. And you go charging in there. No, don't go in there, man. <laughs> That's losing your emotions. Yeah. Keep your emotions in check, which is really hard to do. It kind of defeats the purpose, right? A little bit. Yeah. For some of us, let's face it, that emotional roller coaster, and not necessarily the roller coaster, right? The ups and downs or whatever, but the emotional heightened emotional element of yeah. the whole game. Well, <sighs> that's part of the question too. Do you think you're more emotionally stable because you're married? Or do you think you're emotionally unstable because you're married? <laughs> I know people that got more emotionally unstable when they were married. I understand. For sure. Understand. If you marry a volatile person, yeah. you're going to be less emotionally stable. I married a emotionally stable person and therefore 
I am more emotionally stable because I'm married to an emotional uh, uh, pillar of strength. Yeah. You know, just solid, you know. Right. So essentially, and ideally anyway, it shouldn't even necessarily be this person or this marriage is making you unstable. It's either adding to your emotional stability or taking away from mm-hmm. your emotional stability. Like in your case, let's face it. You know, it's going to be pretty hard to take away from your emotional stability. Pretty hard for the most part. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Well, I think if I was would have married an emotionally unstable human, which I probably wouldn't have, although you never know. Right. I don't think that it would have lasted. Right. Either that I would have tried to loan some emotional stability to the, my partner. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But as I tried to loan emotional stability and it got taken and freaking thrashed around and thrown up and freaking destroyed, I'd kind of been like, yeesh. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's a good long-term strategic move right now. Yeah. And that's like a big thing that that goes along with your data point Mm -hmm. theory, hypothesis, whatever. It's like, you know, because the big thing, and let's face it, we, we know a lot of Navy SEALs and... There seems to be. I they don't get know, one data point. They're going. And th- here's the thing: no, they they get a bunch. The ones I've known, anyway. Yeah. Some of the ones I know, they get a bunch of data points, and a lot of them are red flags. But oh. they seem to just, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. bypass those red flags and just look at maybe the one or two good data mm-hmm. points or whatever, and then they base the future on that or whatever. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's a good addition to my comment: yeah. gather more data points and read them. <laughs> And, and utilize them in the calculus yeah. of your forward movement. Because yeah. you're right. There, I've seen some of my friends, man, you see mega red flag data points. There's one awesome data point, which is, oh, she's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the data point. Oh, yeah. And then the other data point is she's psychotic. Yes. She is an alcoholic. She is from a... Dist- uh, insane background. Her environment is crazy. <laughs> and what's the guy think? Yeah, dude, I'm gonna marry. Oh uh, yeah, exciting. <laughs> Why? Because hey, I can save her. Yeah, I can change her. Mm. Uh, that's the. I think that's the main thing. I can change her. Right. Here's. You know what? And this, I don't know this because I've actually never asked anyone. Mm-hmm. But this is what it kind of felt like sometimes where. The idea that these girls are impressed with what you do for a living, to me, for some reason, that feels like something that's real attractive. You know, like if, and I'm this goes for everyone, but with Navy SEALs, let's face it. Like if you're a Navy SEAL, well, in my experience, anyway, mm-hmm. the guys that, that I hang around, like they're happy that they're Navy SEALs. Who's they? The females? No, 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 the Navy SEALs. They're happy about it. So if you get, you meet a hot girl mm-hmm. and they're super hot and they're impressed that you're a Navy SEAL. Right. I, we're, do you kinda, think that we're, kinda, some... we're kinda going in the right direction. <laughs> Probably, hell yeah. And kind of a big deal, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, guys with jobs that they like, regardless of SEAL, not SEAL, you can go, you're, I don't know, stockbroker mm-hmm. and someone's impressed with that. Oh, you kinda wanna get, get a, you know, mm-hmm. you wanna be around that, that little environment, right? My wife, I told my wife I was in the Navy when I met her, which was true and she didn't seem to be impressed with that at all. Maybe after a little while of knowing her, I was like, well, I'm in the SEAL teams. And she was like, oh. And then later I found out she had no idea what that was. She thought I was some kind of a marine biologist. (laughs) And I was like, dude, you married a loser. What's wrong with you? Nothing against marine biologists. Marine biologists is freaking awesome. I know a guy who's a marine biologist in Maui. 
Well, and that's what I found too. And this is, I don't know. I don't know everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and I can't read minds to mm-hmm. be honest with you. We figured that out last <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> but it did seem like. I like, like how you throw the butt. You constantly say you're not a mind reader, but you always throw a butt in But there. I see behavioral patterns. But this is just in my experience, and I don't know everybody. Like I said, I don't know everybody. I'm saying for what it's worth, this Mm -hmm. is my experience and my interpretation or misinterpretation. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Where girls or groups of girls, like if they know what a Navy SEAL is and they like it, they're impressed by it, they'll be around. Mm -hmm. And girls who don't know what Navy SEAL is, it's like, okay, you're military. Mm -hmm. It's either military or non-military to them, and they, they don't know, like probably your wife was. They're not impressed with it. They're just mm-hmm. like, whatever, cool, you have a job. And so that's the the reason they'll be happy. But the people who do know what it is, the girls who do know what it is, oh, they love that thing. They're using the jargon or whatever, and it seems like there's little groups of them. That's what it seems like. You are correct, there are. Yeah. So I'm saying if, you co- if I'm a Navy SEAL, mm-hmm. and of course I love being a Navy SEAL, and I go and I come across one of these groups and I see one of the hottest one in the group and she's impressed with my impressive job and she's letting me know that's a point of pleasure for me. So we have a data point. One of the many. Yes, sir. A very pleasurable, a data positive. Point that, a data point that gets calculated within 20 seconds. Oh, yeah. What oh, do yeah. you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so I'm saying, data point hey, calculated, check, yes. rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe try to uh, uh, be on the lookout for those red flags. I yep. guess. And, and well. look, man, I think I really kind of summed it up. It's like, go slow, man. Don't overcommit, right? Go slow. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go, get crazy, you know? And, and to your point, which is difficult, is like, you're like, that kind of ruins it, yeah. right? Because we like to be, oh, oh yeah. can't wait to see Jessica. It does. She's yeah, so yeah. great. It's like, yeah. no, dude, she's not so great. She might be, yeah. but just take it easy, dude. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah it's the risky run for mm-hmm. sure, you know, because the, you know, the, the better it can be, the worse it can be. And then if you dumb it down to like, hey, I'm going to take my time and detach and be like less emotional or whatever, like don't you kind of put a limit on the goodness of it? Yeah, you know? maybe. One time Stoner, sure. he liked this girl, Hell yeah. and he was kind of hanging out. But was nothing happening yet, right? Oh, see, dude, that's one of the parts right there. Okay. So, so we're at work in the terms. He comes by my office to t- and to tell me, like, what's he's like, give me an update on this girl. Yeah. And I know this girl. You know this girl. Yes, sir. So we're like plotting, right? Yeah. Like, how is he gonna get this girl? Get her in the game, right? Sure. And I go, dude, here's what you do, and you stole her. God bless him. He like listened to everything I said, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I go, here's the deal, bro. I go, here's the deal, bro. Um, go right now. I go, you know where she is right now? He's like, yeah. He's like, she's at her apartment. I go, go to her apartment right now. I go, park your car, get out of your car. I go, wear your camis. He's in his camis. I go, walk up to her, knock on her door. When she opens the door, kiss her. <laughs> it's old school. And then just... And then just, I said, just kiss her and say, we're going to dinner tonight, walk away. And he was like, and he didn't even respond to me, he just got up and went and did it. <laughs> he comes back oh, to man. my house freaking 45 minutes later. And he's like got the biggest smile on his face and it's high on. five, bro hug. <laughs> he's like, bro, that was awesome. Oh yeah. So sure enough, there you go. See. I don't even know what this is related to the story. No, but you no. know what it's like hey. some of that excitement. You know? Oh yeah. 
See, and that's a, I'd say that's like an invaluable experience, you know, mm-hmm. when relate, even if it didn't work out in the end or whatever, it's like, mm-hmm. that's part of the relationship. Yeah. This it didn't work out they're in the talking end. About. Yeah. I don't think she was ready. You know, she was a little bit younger than him. Sometimes people aren't ready, you know, but I mean, she was an awesome, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, well, I have three people in mind that I, that we both know. Oh, really? That, yeah. But that were all in the game at one point. <laughs> I'm just saying that Stoner had, uh, you know, it could, it could have been any one of these yeah. three girls that, and I would be like, okay, that makes sense. I would say it's me. the one that's the best at jujitsu of these three. Okay. I understand. And she's super cool. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, we should, we should interview her on her perspective of that. <laughs> She would be funny. Yeah. She's all settled down now. Yeah, so I, I know. don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's not appropriate. Maybe it is. I don't know. But yeah, that's part of the game. If you can, yeah, it's a, it, it's weird because it's like you're out at sea at a storm, in a storm, mm-hmm. and you want to catch some of those big waves when you're out there, mm-hmm. but you want to be safe when, when you're out. You don't want to get smashed and drowned either. True. Which, so it's like this weird balancing act. You got to. You gotta kind of have a big one too. Is people they try to force stuff too, like like Stoner just did. But see, no, here's the thing: no, there was vibes, bro. There yeah. was vibes, and since I knew her, I was getting the vibes too. I was like, dude, this girl is down for the call. Okay, right so here. I don't consider that forcing it. I consider that just a power play. Which Ooh, is okay. if he if he crashed and burned on that, that's part of the game too. Yeah, I'd he could have got slapped. I, I say congratulations on <laughs> yeah. on playing that game and yeah. doing that. If there wasn't so many indicators, yeah, the indicators is what made me say, dude, just go and do this. Yeah, yeah. And what she's a, ready to rock and roll. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Still a risk, dude. But. He did the whole thing in forty-eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a, it was like a twenty-two-minute drive. Found parking, went up, did the deed, walked back to the car, drove back. High five. You know what makes that story even extra more awesome? I'll tell you this, Carrie. Where. If you know Stoner, he's that kind of guy where, like, if Jocko gives him a mission, oh, that guy's like, you're right, Jocko. Hell yeah. And he's just going to go at 100%. 100%. And that's how he is, you know? So I could just totally see him do that. And being successful coming back, like, oh, man, that's really something. Super stoked. Oh, yeah. But that's a power move. That's a good move. That's part of the relationship game, I think. I mean, when people force it, it's like, you know, like, oh, I'm 30. And this person indicated their age, like, around 30, right? Where Mm -hmm. that's kind of the the time, right, where Mm -hmm. people are starting to be like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not in a relationship, you know, all this stuff. And then they start actively searching for a future husband, wife, you know? Bad move. That's what I'm saying. Just actively searching is a bad sign, and people can smell intent, and now you're on the whole totally wrong path. Don't do that. Yeah, we should have. That's a good, good catch. Yeah, so don't force that kind of stuff. Yep. Don't be like, hey, let's meet my parents on like the second date or yeah. whatever. And you the know, like good that thing is stuff. everything we're saying, everything we're saying is in support of that. Because yeah. if you're out looking for, if you're out look, going into the cave, they are like, well, what are you doing in my cave they right know, now? Bro. What are you doing? Bro? <laughs> what are you, what are you, what are you no one invited freaking you in here. No knock, freaking no cave knock. entrance. Rolling into the cave? No. Yeah. no. So don't go, you know, sit back. Use your binos, yeah. your binoculars. Look at from a distance. Stay away. By the way, guess what's going to happen? They're going to come out looking for you because they're interested. And now you have a little bit of a better advantage. Right? You're not looking stupid. No, that's bad to look stupid. It's kind of got to let it happen naturally. You ever have a friend who tries to force the, like, they try to accelerate the friendship, like, quicker? You ever have that? Dude, people don't really do that with me. (laughs) Yeah, I can see how that can be for sure. (laughs) But, you know, guys, people do that sometimes. You know, it's like, oh, I'm new to the town or whatever. Mm -hmm. Hey, you want to? Anyway, you got to let that stuff develop naturally is what I'm saying. I used to feel like you were kind of like that. (laughs) 
What? Oh, with you? But trust me, I don't want to hang out with you most of the time. <laughs> see, see what you're doing right now. This makes me not want to hang out with you. Kind of want to go home. Nah. All right. Well, we got a couple more questions to answer. What's next? Next question. Wondering, wondering how environmentally friendly the krill oil is. That is the super krill. By the way, are you guys going out there with harpoons and torpedoes and taking them from their beds at night, or is it, <laughs> is it nicer than that? Uh, it, it's definitely nicer than that. Good question. Mm-hmm. These, this is, and I, this is what it is. Yeah. Kind of sounds cool. Sure. Wild caught Antarctic krill. So this isn't raised in a damn farm somewhere in Iowa sure. or in Nebraska. Nothing against Iowa and Nebraska, but let's face it, we don't want our krill. Right. Oil coming from those areas, mm-hmm. um, you know, it comes from Antarctica, and Antarctica is a big place, and there's an estimated 500 million tons of krill swimming around down there. Damn. Have you ever seen a krill swarm? Yes. They're so, krill swarms are massive swarms of krill. Mm. Krill are about five cent. The krill that we capture. Mm. They're about five centimeters long. Oh, dang. And a krill swarm in Antarctica is so big, they can be seen from space. Damn. They're just like massive. And, um, yep, we do not use harpoons (laughs) or or torpedoes, just nets. And um, that's it, man. Krill oil, super krill. Good for everything. Good for joint pain. Good for anti-inflammatory. Good for heart health. Omega-3, essential omega-3s in there. And some super antioxidants. Yep. But, um, yeah. Good the stuff. An, the antioxidant compound, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, maybe that's not the right word. But the antioxidant in there is called xanth. xanth I yeah, don't know what I it's called. I can't say it. But it starts with this X. Yeah. And it's, but it's a good antioxidant. Keep that in mind. Thank you for adding that. I'm just saying. You know, <laughs> we got to know our stuff over here. Next question. Good evening, Jocko and Echo, and maybe Dave, who knows? I think they meant Carrie, by the way. Okay, dog's here now. Yep. I am 25 years old and am currently halfway through my junior year at university here in the States, where I'm currently pursuing a bachelor's degree in biochemistry and intending to head to medical school afterward. I get great grades and do well for myself in college. I've always wanted to join the military and have felt a calling to serve, but put it off because my parents talked me out of it as a young adult. And now... That I've been on my own for a while, I started making decisions for myself instead of living the life my parents envisioned for me. My question is, should I drop out where I'm at in college, where I'm still younger and enlist, or should I focus on finishing the last year and a half, year and a half of university and earn my bachelor's degree and reconsider going in as an officer? Your advice on, your advice on this would be appreciated. Much love. Um, it's kind of an interesting question because there's a couple things going on here. What do you want to do in the military? Because, quote, going in the military has doesn't really narrow the field down very much. Mm. Maybe it gives you 180 degree, from 360 degrees, which is you can do anything, if you say, I want to go in the military, you just narrowed it only, 100, only to 180 degrees. Mm. Meaning, going in the military, there's so many different jobs in the military that, this doesn't really narrow it down, other than, quote, going into the military. Mm -hmm. Now, if the question was, I want to be a SEAL, I want to be a Green Beret, I want to be a Marine Corps machine gunner, I want to be an infantryman, like something like that where, oh, now you're talking something very specific, Mm -hmm. 
mm. that you have the desire to do, that's gonna be usually very difficult to satisfy that urge in another way. Mm. Then it's like, well, you, you, first of all, you probably didn't even ask this question. Meaning, you're like, bro, I wanna be an infantryman. Oh, I wanna go in the SEAL teams. I wanna be a Green Beret. I wanna be a Ranger. Mm. I wanna go to MARSOC, right? There's, you have that, that, that job that is calling you. You know, he says he's got a calling. But, right. but getting a call to be in the military in general is a big, broad calling that's not very specific. So, mm. what is it you wanna do? So, from, from seeing this, I, I would say, you got good grades, you're in college. I mean, do you wanna be, I, he could also be a doctor in the military, which is an awesome job. And you get to help save the lives of our military members and you get to take care of their families. Like there's, so maybe what you could do is satisfy both these desires. You got a degree in biochemistry, you're heading to medical school. I'm, in, I'm assuming you wanna head there you say I get great grades and do well for myself in college. Two, two meanings to that. You do well for yourself, meaning yes, you do well, but also for yourself. Does that for your parents too? Do you hate learning about biochemistry and you're just doing it because your parents told you to? If that's where you're at, okay, yeah, well, you might want to get out and go be an infantryman. If you hate what you're doing, but if you like it and you like learning and you've got good grades, Maybe you should look at some of the programs where you can actually utilize a degree in the military. Maybe you get the military to pay for medical school. Maybe you could become a, some kind of a engineer, a biochemistry engineer in the military. So there's all kinds of things to talk about here. Um, but here's what I would do. So you have one year left, I would start to do research while I'm finishing my last year of school and start to figure out, okay, what job opportunities are where I could possibly satisfy both these desires that I have, which is to get an education, be a medical doctor, and be in the military. So at this point, you got a year to research while you finish school, and then either f come up with a conclusion or ask me with a little bit more clarity, and we'll get to the bottom of it, and you'll have your degree, and you'll have a lot more opportunities of what you wanna do. All right, last question. Last question. Uh, question on toxic leaders who run amok and who ruin the younger generation outlook on continuing his or her service. First hand, I've wit okay, first hand, I have witnessed and experienced toxic leaders who run amok and spoil or ruin teams and especially individuals from continuing to raise their right hand and continue to serve. I get the indirect approach, but the line must be drawn somewhere. Where is... Where that is, is what's in question. Like you, met, like you mentioned in not forming a mutiny against a bad leader, what are your insights on toxic leaders that run rampant? When and how should it be addressed? Taking the indirect bypass lets the spoiler or bad apple continue to rot out teams and individuals as they climb, crawl, crawl and gnaw their way through the ranks. It's almost sickening. What actions do you recommend on such toxic leaders that don't toe the line? Yep. So... As much as I always talk about the indirect approach, and as much as I always talk about trying to form a good relationship with your leader so that you can have influence over them, so that you can get them to move in the right direction, I talk about that all the time because that is generally the best solution. That being said, just so you know, I've had a mutiny. 
I participated in a mutiny against a toxic leader that my platoon and me did not like. And that was a bad leader. And that was arrogant. And that did what he said here, which is run amok. What do you say? Run, Run amok and spoiled things. That's what this guy did. So we did have a mutiny. And there are times where it does come to that. The chances are, the chances are you can do better. The because ch- I have, I have had toxic leaders and turned them into decent ones via the indirect approach. So you can, if you if you build a relationship with someone, and you start to have influence over them, you can actually change a situation for in the positive. So yes. We don't want to think mutiny out of the gate. And I don't even want you to think that right now because chances are if you formed a good relationship with this individual and you started to have more influence over them and you started to explain to them what was happening and what the way he came across the troops and the way it impacted them, he probably doesn't want to be a toxic leader. He just doesn't know any better. Now, that being said, the indirect approach is an approach. It's one approach. And if it doesn't work, then what do you do? You start to escalate it. Slowly, you start to escalate that indirect approach until you start making some progress. You start to build that relationship, they start to listen to you a little bit more, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, you know what, why don't you run this? Yeah, you know what, we don't need to use my plan. Oh yeah, you know what, I won't talk to the guys like that. I didn't mean to offend. That, that's what you can get to, you can help them. Mm-hmm. And you slowly start to make progress, and you, maybe you have to be more direct as time goes on, or maybe you, you every time you're indirect, they're like, blow you off and it doesn't have any impact. And if you don't make progress, then you start to escalate your directness with them. And you maybe you end up talking to them, maybe you end up saying, hey look boss, I need to sit down and talk with you because you're about to have a mutiny on your hands. That's like a very high escalation. This is after you've tried to talk to him, after you tried to pull him aside, after you said, hey boss, can I, can I ask you why you're talking to Smith like this? Because every time you talk to Smith like that, it, the whole platoon thinks you got something, you know, you got a bad attitude and it's just your ego. Mm. Can, you, can I ask you why, you know? So you've tried all kinds of things. And then eventually you say, hey, maybe you write a letter. Say, hey, I wanna let you know what's going on inside this platoon right now. Here's what the impression of the troops is. Now, are you taking a risk when you do that? Yes, you are. Can you do it in a professional way that it, it does mitigate a lot of the risk? Yes, you can. Do you, if you let your ego get out of control and your emotions, are you gonna be able to pull that off? Nope, you're not. You're gonna talk at them, you're gonna attack them, they're gonna get defensive and attack you back and you're gonna, be, you're gonna end up on the losing side, by the way. Because that rank is gonna win. So, you, you start to escalate your directness with a person. Now, what's the ultimate escalation of the directness? That's when you skip the chain of command. That's when you go above them in the chain of command. Will you report the issue up the chain of command? Do we wanna do that? No, we don't. Is there risk in that? Yes, there is. I'm tr- see, I'm trying to help you. I'm also trying to help you, you know, deal with the situation that you're in that you've got this toxic leader because I don't want toxic leader in, in any situation. And by the way, that, that term toxic leader, was that? There's a lot of different types of toxic leaders. There's no, toxic leader doesn't mean this behavior. Mm. People use toxic to describe all kinds of different behaviors. 
So I'm not exactly sure what we're talking about. Does it most likely have to do with his ego? Yes. Is it most likely some form of arrogance? Yes. Is it most likely he's not listening to people? Yes. Is it most likely that he's talking down to the team? Yes. That's most likely what it is, but I don't know that just through, through the term toxic leader. So maybe this gets to a point where you have to escalate it up the chain of command. And you even have to skip the chain of command. That's what I did at SEAL Team 1. We skipped the chain of command, went above our platoon commander's head, and went to the SEAL Team commanding officer. When you do that, you better have your ducks in a row. You better be completely scared away, squared away. You better document the things that he's done. Document the attitude. Document the quotes. Quotes what he said to the troops. You think a commanding officer is going to see someone talking down to the troops and think that's okay, they're not going to. So you need to start documenting what he's actually doing so that when you go above him in the chain of command, you present a squared away case and you're not just some disgruntled, you know, staff sergeant that's pissed off the way that this guy's acting because he's snuffed your plan or doesn't like your attitude or doesn't like the way you carry yourself. And by the way, this could, problem could be you as well. Because maybe you think you're, a, you know, you're the one that's the great leader, and maybe you're not as great as you think you are. So you better check yourself as well. But there is a chance that you've got a horrible leader. And if that's the case, like I said, here's what we're doing: we are going to start to escalate our directness. We are going to document what they're doing. Document what they're doing to make sure we can present a logical case up the chain of command that this behavior is negatively impacting the morale and the operational efficiency of the platoon or of the company or of the battalion. And if you do the right things for the right reasons and you don't let your ego and you don't let your emotions get involved, you getting pissed off and going up the chain of command, you might as well not even do that. You might as well just stay home. Because if you walk in, this guy sucks. If you walk in like that, 70% of your argument is thrown away. You gotta walk in there and say, hey sir, hey commanding officer, hey company commander, or whoever's above this guy in the chain of command, I I request captain's mast, I wanna talk to you. You know, maybe you write them a letter. I wanna go directly to you because I feel like there is a significant problem with our leadership right now with our platoon commander or our company commander or whatever, here are some of the instances that have taken place in the last three months. Here's the negative impact it's having on the morale of the platoon. Here's the negative impact it's having on our operational capability. Here's the ways that I've tried to address it. So you see what I'm doing? You're building a case. And if you build a case properly, there's a very good chance you can win. There's also a chance There's also a chance that you lose. Mm -hmm. And you end up with the guy that's the commanding officer says, hey, you're you're a freaking sergeant. You're not not writing evals for for your platoon commander. Mm -hmm. That's not on you. You shut up and do your job. There's a chance that happens. I'm gonna tell you, if you present this properly, there is also, the, the, the odds are that you will get this dealt with in a favorable way. But be careful. Have your ducks in a row, be professional, no ego, no emotion, state the case, document the case, document the examples, 
and that's how you're gonna handle this the best way. Um, to think that, I think you use something here, that um, taking indirect bypass lets the spoiler or bad apple continue to rot out the teams. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. We don't want that to happen. So that's why occasionally you have to go direct, but escalate it. What is captain's mat? You said mast? Yeah, like, um, so when you're, it, it, usually it means you're going for punishment. Going for Right, so if Echo got a DUI, you would get captain's mast, you'd go before the captain and he would say, all right, here, you got you got DUI, I see the record, I see the, pr- the police write-up, here's your punishment. Is it like sentencing or is yeah, it like- Yeah, you can also request to... captain's mast. You for can someone say, else. I re- no, for yourself. Mm. It's like, I request captain's mast and that's a big deal. Like requesting punishment or like a meeting kind of yep. thing? It's yep. more of a meeting then, essentially. Yep. Okay, so it's, you know, it's a meeting for various- I'm gonna state my per- case. Yep. Gotcha. I'm gonna state my case about something. Uh-huh. It's usually a pretty ballsy move if you to request, request captain's mast. We we didn't officially do it when we had that mutiny. We didn't like put in a chit to request captain's mast. We ran it up the chain like, hey, the platoon really wants to talk to the commanding officer. Not official captain's mast, but still it was as close as we could get. And he was like, hmm, all right, yeah. you boys get up here. Yeah. And we got up there and told him what was what. Yeah. So we didn't want that toxic guy continuing his reign. It's just too much. So there you go. Yeah, that's a that's a good tip though. That where it's like you got to kind of look at it from the other perspective. Like, what if it's you? Mm. What if you're the one handling stuff wrong? Which is you you should always start there, right? You should always start there because if you haven't built a good relationship with that person, you don't have any influence over them. Look, if you got a good relationship with a horrible boss, you can get them guided in the right direction. Yeah, you can be like, hey, boss, hey, I need to talk to you for a couple minutes. And actually, when we had that mutiny, I did have a good relationship with the boss. I was probably the only guy in the platoon that had a good relationship with the boss. The reason was because I was the radio man, so I had to kind of sit down and do planning with him and all that stuff. I had to go over the communications um, plan that we were going to use and talk about the frequencies we were going to talk to the different uh, aircraft on. I had to kind of, I had to build a little bit, and I was right behind him when we would patrol. So I was constantly like next to him, and we'd go into a perimeter. And who sits in the middle of a perimeter during a during a during a long range patrol? The 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 platoon commander mm. and the radio man. Mm. We're in the middle, so he's sitting there. You know, we're drinking water. You know, whatever. Hey, you know, whatever. That. So I had a relationship with him. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, when it started going down. He pulled me aside and was like, what's going on, man? Huh. And I go, hey, boss, all this shit you've been doing that I've been like, kind of talking to you about, mm-hmm. it's real. Mm-hmm. And it's about to come to fruition right now. Mm-hmm. And he was totally beside himself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I didn't do a good enough job of giving him a heads up on how horrible he was. I, uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't, I should have been more like, hey, dude, you need to listen to the platoon chief. Yeah. Like the platoon chief, you need to listen to our leading petty officer. I know he doesn't outrank you, but he's got a lot of experience. Mm. And he's a smart guy. And and he's been in the SEAL teams for, you know, the LPO had been in for probably 10 years at that point, and the, the platoon chief had been in for 15 years. And this guy had been in for two. Mm. Why would you not listen? I should have been a little bit more, to this guy's point, I should have a little bit, been a little bit more direct 
Um, and I, quite frankly, I don't remember how direct I was with him until he pulled me. I remember, like it was yesterday, he pulled me outside the platoon space, like around the corner. We were in this uh, Quonson hut. No, like uh, not a Quonson hut, but a trailer. Mm-hmm. Like, a, you know, they have like those office trailers. Yeah, yeah, portable. Yep, a portable office trailer. So we had one of those portable office trailers. One of, one of this, and it was cut into two sides. Each had its own little stair thing. And the one side was for the top four, mm-hmm. the platoon commander, the assistant platoon commander, the LPO and the chief, and the other one was for everybody else, the other side. Mm-hmm. And so he pulled me, he he pulled me out of my side and out of his side, and we went around the side of the whole thing. We were outside, and he looked totally distressed. Yeah. And he's like, "What's going on right now?" And I was like, "People are not happy, yeah. and there's a mutiny happening." And you know, you took a swing at the LPO, and. You know, because I didn't say this, but the truth is, we're a gang, right? right. You got you got a gang. Yeah. When you got a group of, you got a SEAL platoon, it's a gang, and you start you start messing with that gang. Yeah. The gang is a gang, yeah, and they're yeah. gonna they're stick gonna together. Gang. And that's what happened. Um. The, so your guys' case seemed pretty straightforward, especially if it's like kind of ongoing, or whatever. Everyone agrees or whatever. But, so, you know, like some, I don't know, the question seems sort of kind of vague, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, and it does seem emotional. Mm-hmm. So it could very well be, and this is going to be a spectrum as well, where it's like, it could be, you could be the problem. Yep. You could be part of the problem, or you could be kind of part of the problem. <clears throat> yep. But it's natural, like how, how you've always said, actually, it's natural to see the flaw in the other guy, yep. right? The other guy doing the wrong thing. And then you're just naturally reacting to yep. this other guy's toxic. But a lot of times, like, your reaction is so significant. Yep. So it makes the whole situation into, like, something that it wouldn't be if you were just normal. Here's a classic example. Echo comes to me and says, hey, hey, Jocko, dude, carries the platoon commander. He's all jacked up. Dude, he, he's, he's so freaking jacked up with what he's telling us to do. And all I have to say is, hey, you think that's a hard job being the platoon commander? Mm-hmm. And you go, well, Echo, have you ever been a platoon commander before? Ooh, have you ever planned one of these missions before? Ooh, have you ever been responsible for this stuff before? Ooh. You think it must be pretty hard, huh? Yeah. Why don't you go try and help him? Yeah. Why don't you go try and help him? Yeah. Why don't you go and say, hey, K-Dog, I know this is a rough job. There's a lot of stuff going on. Is there anything I can pull off your plate? Instead of sitting in the back and throwing darts, right. sitting in the back row throwing darts, which is really easy for the E5 mafia to do. Mm-hmm. Sit in the back and throw darts. Can't believe how jacked up this guy is. Oh, really? If he's so jacked up, why don't I step up and say, hey, boss, looks like the assault part of this plan is pretty complicated. You want me to get with K-Dog and, or get with Echo and we'll figure out how to make this thing happen and we'll right. just present it to you, yeah. get it off your plate? Yeah, exactly. If we want to win, that's what we're doing. So it's so easy to go on the attack, man, when you're sitting in the back of the room with a freaking, with a quiver full of darts. You're right. going to huck at the plan. You're going to huck at the leadership. Never. Well, 99% of the time, so you're right, Echo, like 99% of the time, what this individual should do is try and help. Mm. He's trying to say, you know what, man, this guy's got a lot of pressure on him. He's not very experienced. That's got to suck. He doesn't know how to handle the pressure, so he's kind of blowing up at us. He's starting to yell at us. What can I do to actually help? What yeah. can I do to pull that, some of that stuff off of his plate? Yeah. How can I be of assistance? Yeah. Instead of just getting out the dart quiver and starting to huck darts at people's necks. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that. Um, and by the way, that that unleashes a whole freaking chain of events. You want to go have a mutiny? You want to go p- report the? What is that going to do to your platoon? Yeah. Now you're the fucked up platoon. By the way, yeah. you're the platoon that had a mutiny, and they keep that guy in place, and they might fire your dumbass. Yeah. And now, what good have you done for the boys? You think, well, I didn't want to let that toxic leader. Well, now, now your boys have a toxic leader, and you're not there to help filter things out and buffer. So you got to use your head. You just said something which I, I think anyway, and this would apply to pretty much anything. That's a huge deal. When you said 99 times out of 100, mm-hmm. this is the case, mm-hmm. right? That's a lot. That's almost a guarantee pretty much as far as this, especially this kind of dynamic stuff yep. or whatever. Yep. It's like if you think that you're the one out of 100 mutiny uh, scenarios yep. that's justified. Yep. And I'm not saying that this guy isn't jacked up. I'm not saying this this platoon commander, whoever isn't jacked up, I'm not saying that. He yeah. could very well be jacked up. Yes, in fact, if he's a young officer in the Marine Corps or in the Army, there's a good chance, there's a 99% chance he is jacked up because you're complaining about him. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Are you going to help him? Or are you just going to go straight to like, oh, he's a shitty leader, we should fire him? Mm. Well, you you can't go through life like that. You'll be firing every leader you have. You will fire. You will oh, want to yeah. fire because they all are jacked up. So you 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 need to really think to your point. Is this the one out of a hundred that actually needs to get escalated to where we get this guy shit canned, or can I be a good leader myself? and lead up the chain of command and teach this guy about humility and help him understand what needs to be done inside the platoon and actually help him do some of those things inside the platoon. What do you guys Can say? I get the platoon, when the platoon goes, hey, the platoon commander's all jacked up, can I say, hey guys, he's got a lot of pressure on him right now. We should try and help him out. We should support him. Ah, you know what, I know he can be a little bit irritating, you know, he seems kind of egotistical, but you know what, he seems like he wants us to do a good job, why don't we try and help him? Yeah. All right, with that, thank you for joining us, thank you for supporting the cause on the underground. Jockofuel.com, OriginUSA.com, Jockostore.com, you know what's available. If you want to support, you can do it that way. We appreciate you supporting this thing. Uh, got a bunch of books. The Final Spin. Just covered that one on the podcast. Yep. Getting some good reviews on that one. We're I hear good things. Not a dud, it's from what a, I understand. No, uh, kids books as well. Leadership Company, Echelon Front. Echelonfront.com. If you want help there. On the interwebs. Echoes at Echo Charles. I am at Jocko Willink. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting us. This is only pop. This all everything we're doing right now is only co- possible because you're out there. You're listening. You're supporting. You're making your world better. That's making our world better. We appreciate it, and we will not abandon you if things go sideways. Instead, we'll be here for you in the underground. <laughs> and until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. <laughs>